Open your Bibles, if you would, to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. The name of the message today is Divine Truth Declared. Now, Peter and the other apostles had received the gift of the Holy Spirit of God, filled with the Holy Spirit of God, beginning part of this chapter. And today we'll be looking at verses 14 to 36. But we're going to be looking at it in sections. Acts chapter 2. And we'll see the sermon we'll be looking at today, the sermon that Peter preached at Pentecost. And this message, which Peter declared, is remarkably simple. Very simple message. It displays no great learning. Peter was a fisherman. A man called by the Lord. A man sent by the Lord to preach, but it does not bring forth great learning. It contains no height of oratory. It contains no thrilling stories or illustrations. There's none of that. It's a simple declaration of divine truths. And we'll see that today. It's a simple declaration of divine truths. And it's delivered to the hearts of man by the power of God. God took this message and he used it for his glory, which is what he does. Each time one of his preachers get up and preaches the gospel, we think like Paul, who's sufficient for these things? You ask any gospel preacher and we'll say that, who's sufficient for these things? We're not. But God equips us and allows us to preach and proclaim and he takes the words from my mouth and, and uses them. The Holy Spirit takes them and blesses you with the preaching of the word. He puts a message on my heart and I proclaim the message that he put on my heart. And I was looking at other texts. I couldn't get away from this text this week. It was amazing. Just kept coming right back here. Just kept coming right back here. And there's nothing in this sermon by Peter to impress the flesh. Nothing in it to impress the flesh. But we see here that there's much in this sermon to prick the heart. There's much in this sermon to prick the heart. And the one object of Peter's sermon at Pentecost, we will see, and the one object of the Holy Spirit who inspired him, because it's set, it's set in Scripture, it's in Scripture, was to set before fallen men, guilty, needy sinners, which is what we are, right? The redemptive accomplishments and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll see so clearly and plainly that he sets these divine truths forth before his hearers. So let's read, let's start with verses 14 to 21. Let's start there first. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judah, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. Now, right before this, they were speaking in tongues. Now, tongues was not gibberish. If you look in the Greek at the word tongues, it's a known language. And we can tell from the text above that these men heard Peter and the other apostles speak in their own languages. And some men mocking said, oh, they're just a bunch of drunks. Now, these are languages that they did not know. And they were speaking. It's, it was a sign gift to unbelieving Jews. It's no longer in fact right now, but it was a sign gift to unbelieving Jews. And look what he says in verse 15. For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy 
and I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. Well, that all occurred at the cross, didn't it? The sky darkened. There was a great earthquake. The graves burst open when Christ died. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness. Look at that. That happened when Christ died on the cross. And the moon into blood before the great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Look at that. Shall be. There's another one of them little words. It's certain, isn't it? They shall be saved. It's not maybe. It's not if they make a decision. There's no decision in there. They shall be saved. Those who call upon the Lord shall be saved. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. So we see in verses 14 to 21 that Peter here explains what happened on that great day of Pentecost. And Peter meant these men where they were. He meant those he was speaking to where they were. They were mocking the apostles. Look at verse 13. They were mocking apostles upon whom the Holy Spirit had fallen. They were mocking them. It says here, others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. Oh, they're just a bunch of drunks. No, they're not. So Peter responds to them, doesn't he? Filled with the Holy Ghost, he responds to them. And the scriptures declare this. Now think of how this is true right here. With their response, the scripture declares, a natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. We see it right there in their response. Foolishness unto them. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. The natural man cannot know the truths of the scripture. We know that who are being born again by God's Holy Spirit, Because we just have to look back in our past and see what we thought of God, who we thought Christ was, how we thought we could get to heaven, and realize it was all wrong, wasn't it? Because it was all about us. It was all about us. But in the scriptures, and according to the scriptures, salvation's of the Lord. It's all his doing. See, we've been taught something now, haven't we, as the people of God. We've been taught that we're receivers of the grace and mercy of God. So the men heard the apostles speaking in their own language, and they attempted to explain away the work of the Holy Spirit. That's natural man, isn't it? That's natural man. Tries to explain away the work of the Holy Spirit of God. They tried to explain away that which they could not understand. They couldn't understand it, so they tried to explain it away. It happens still today. Happens still today. And they tried to explain away the work of the Spirit by saying, oh, these men are just a bunch of drunkards. They're just a bunch of drunkards. And we see in verse 14 that Peter stood and lifted up his voice with confidence and boldness. And he said, listen to me. I will explain to you from the word of God, which you profess to believe. Now, remember, the Jews professed to believe the scriptures, didn't they? They professed to believe the scriptures. Remember, Peter, when he's preaching here, he's preaching from the Old Testament. There's no New Testament at all. So whenever you see the scriptures in the New Testament, that's talking about the Old Testament scriptures. They didn't have what we have today. And then he says, I'll explain it to you from the word of God, which you profess to believe, what is happening right in your midst. That's basically the language that he was saying to them. That's a little paraphrase for us to help us understand it more. That's what he was saying. In this marvelous outpouring of the Holy Spirit is the fulfillment of Joel's prophecy. Turn, if you would, to Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2. Now, Joel identified the Messiah positively by giving a fourfold proof of his enthronement in the the establishment of his kingdom. The scriptures point us to the Lord Jesus Christ, and they say, this is the Messiah. This is the Messiah. Joel chapter 2, verse 28, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams. 
your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered. See, this is what Peter was speaking to them. He was speaking to them from the scriptures. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. I kept what Brother Travis read open. And verse 16 struck me when he was reading that in Exodus 15. And think about the deliverance that we have. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, and God saves his people. Those who he's purchased, he's not going to lose one of them. And you know, we have an example right there. And I'll read the verse here. It says, uh, uh, Exodus 15, verse 16, Fear and dread shall fall upon them by the greatness of thine arm. They shall be as still as a stone. The enemies of God will be as still as a stone. Till thy people pass over, O Lord. Till the people pass over. Till all of them pass over. There's not one left behind. And then it says this, Which thou hast purchased. Do you know, beloved, he will not leave one of his sheep in this world. We will all go home to glory. Every single sheep whom he has purchased will go home to glory to be with him forever. He will not lose one of them. Oh, how that makes my heart sing. Because I know what I am. Makes your heart sing, doesn't it? It's wonderful. What assurance we have as believers in Christ. What assurance. Now, we know the last days began with the coming of the Messiah. And the last days encompassed the whole space of time from the first advent when Christ came to the second coming of Christ. We're in the last days right now. We have been for 2,000 years. For 2,000 years. And the Spirit of God has poured out His Spirit upon the Jews and Gentiles, men and women, rich and poor. Look at verses 17 and 18 in our text in Acts chapter 2. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Men in the Old Testament from time to time were filled with the spirit of God, and this great outpouring of the spirit was reserved as a signal that Christ, the Messiah, had come and established his kingdom. Listen to this. I one time had someone, I was talking with someone one time, and they told me, well, the Old Testament saints, they were saved, they weren't born again. And I said, well, that's just an outright lie. You know, they're saved just like we're saved, by the blood of Christ. And they're born again by the same Holy Spirit we're born again. And how do we know that? Well, in John chapter 3, it says this. Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So if a man's not born again, or a woman's not born again, they won't see the kingdom of God. Well, that includes all the elect of all the ages, right? The elect in the Old Testament times and the elect in the New Testament times. You must be born again. You must be. Nicodemus saith unto me, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? That's a natural man's response, right? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, 
he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. You must be. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it come and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. You must be born again. You must be. Now the miraculous gift of tongues, prophecy and visions were temporary. They were given to announce the enthronement of the Messiah, the enthronement of Christ. And the judgment of God has fallen upon the nation of Israel for the rejection and crucifixion. Turn, if you would, to Matthew chapter 22, and then put your finger in Luke chapter 19. Matthew chapter 22 and Luke chapter 19. Again, the judgment of God has fallen upon the nation of Israel for their rejection and crucifixion of Christ. And Joel described God's judgment of Israel in figurative symbols because of their contempt of the gospel. They had a contempt for Christ. He was sent unto his own, and his own received him not. They had a contempt for him, just like every other person in this world who's not born again. And we we know that because we just have to look back before we were born again and say, how did I think about Christ? So we're born with a natural contempt for the gospel, and we're born with a natural contempt for Christ and for God. We're enemies in our minds, like the scripture says, with God, by wicked works, by our sins. That's our state. Look at this, though, in Matthew 22, verse 7. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Now turn to Luke, chapter 19. Our Lord weeps over Jerusalem. He weeps over Jerusalem. Again, Joel describes God's judgment of Israel in figurative symbols because of their contempt of the gospel. God destroyed the civil government of Israel as a nation and turned the light he had given them into darkness. Look at this in Luke chapter 19, verses 41 to 44. Our Lord weeps over Jerusalem. Luke 19, verse 41 to 44. And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, If thou hast known... Even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but are now hid from thine eyes. Look at that. The gospel's hidden to them. Just like it's hidden to natural man, because they're natural men. For the, for the days shall come upon thee, that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee, and compass thee round, round and keep thee in, in on every side. And shall lay thee even with the ground, and thy children within thee, they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, because thou knowest not the time of thy visitation. And that happened in A.D. 70, when Jerusalem was destroyed. The temple was destroyed. Romans went in there and just, my, just look up A.D. 70 with Jerusalem, and you can see what happened on, on Google. It's amazing. They just, the city was devastated. And blinded Israel now stands as a beacon, as a warning. To all who trifle with the things of God. Listen to the words of the master. Turn, if you would, a couple chapters over in Luke to Luke chapter 23. Listen to the words of the master in light of that as he's going to his crucifixion. Now remember, our master's going to his crucifixion when he says this to the daughters of Jerusalem. And keep in mind of what, 
what was brought forth in Luke 19 and what was brought forth in Matthew 22, verse 7. And keep in mind that blinded Israel stands as a beacon to all who trifle with the things of God. Look at this. Luke chapter 23. He's going to his crucifixion, and he speaks these words to the daughters of Jerusalem who are wailing. Listen, look what he says, verse 28. Luke 23, 28. But Jesus turning unto them said, Daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me. Look at that. You know why? Because he set his face like a flint to the cross for them. He must redeem his people from their sin. He says, don't weep for me. Don't weep for me. I'm going to accomplish that which I was sent here to do. Oh, the word of God speaks these words to these these daughters of Jerusalem, God incarnate in the flesh, is speaking these words to them. He says, weep not for me. Don't weep for me. He has come to accomplish the salvation of his people. And we know he obtained eternal redemption at the cross for us, didn't he? And he says, weep not for me, you daughters of Jerusalem. Weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming in the which they shall say, Blessed are the barren, and the womb is that never bear, and the paps which never gave suck. Then shall they begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things in a green tree, what shall be done in the dry? Weep not for me, he said. Weep for yourselves. And the gospel of God's grace is now proclaimed, beloved, to all the nations, isn't it? We put the gospel out on the internet and out it goes. And it's amazing each month to see different countries where the gospel's being downloaded. It's not just us. It's, it's all the grace churches putting their messages up and even grace churches we don't even know about around the world. Because there are some all over. <laughs> we just don't know about them. Lord. Donnie found somebody, Brother Donnie said he found somebody over in England preaching the gospel and didn't even know, never, no one ever knew him or anything. And there he was just, just preaching away. It's amazing. It's incredible. Look at Acts 2.21. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's the general call. There, there it goes. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Turn, if you would, to Romans chapter 10. God now gathers his elect. God now gathers his elect from among the Gentiles by the preaching of the gospel according to his wise and sovereign purpose. Again, I'll read Acts 2.21, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Have you called upon the name of the Lord? May God make it so if you haven't. And if you have, rejoice. Rejoice that God has given you grace to call upon the Lord and that you are saved. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. All by the grace of God. All by the grace of God. Look at this in Romans chapter 10, verses 10 to 13. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Remember? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, here, look at this. 
For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and not Christ is the righteousness of God. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall what? Not be ashamed. We're not ashamed of Christ, are we? We're not ashamed of what he's done for us. We rejoice and we marvel in what our great God has done for us. He's, he's wonderful. Look at this. For there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek. The only one who's made you and I to differ if we're saved from, from Jews and Gentiles out in the world who aren't saved is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the only one who's made certain Jews and certain Gentiles to differ is God. And we're one in Christ. For the same Lord is rich upon all that call upon him. Oh, he's so rich, isn't he? He's so rich in spiritual blessings. He's so rich, beloved. He's so rich. We have the forgiveness of all our sins. We, have a, we, we saw last week we're changed. We have a new, a new raiment, don't we? New clothes. The, the righteousness of Christ, our filthy garments have been taken away from us. Glory be to God. He's so rich. And we have all spiritual blessings in Christ, in Christ alone, nowhere else. And we have them all because of Christ and because of what he's done for us. Oh, our Lord's rich. He's rich in mercy, isn't he? Praise be to God, he's rich in mercy. He's, he's rich in being long-suffering, isn't he? Praise God, the sinner says he's rich in long-suffering. Oh, my, he's rich in grace, too, isn't he? Gives it abundantly to his people. And he's rich in mercy. And the scripture says his mercies are new every, oh my. For there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over, is, over all is rich unto all that call upon him. Verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. By the grace and by the mercy and you know why? Because it pleased him to do so. That's the part that I marvel at. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. That's the part that I marvel at, that God was pleased to save me. It's amazing. I'm never going to get over that, are you? It's amazing. It's amazing that God has had mercy upon sinners like us, but he's done it because it pleased him to do so. Oh, my. He didn't get any better than that. It just doesn't just doesn't so this is the meaning of pentecost the outpouring of the holy spirit of god declares that christ has come redeemed and established his kingdom at last god's promise to abraham is fulfilled the scripture says this in in galatians chapter 3 christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law he's purchased us from the curse of the law the law had a claim on us being made a curse for us for it is written cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree that the blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. And the blessings of Abraham have come upon us, haven't they? We're rich in Christ through Jesus Christ. There's the key, through Jesus Christ. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Galatians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Let's go back to Acts chapter 2. Now we'll read verses 22 to 24. And we'll see here that Peter, in this sermon again, proclaim the, the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verses 22 to 24. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God 
among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know, him being delivered by the de- him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. Now Peter here seems to have anticipated a question which the Jews whose hands were freshly stained with the blood of Christ might ask. And again, this is all by the power and might of God the Holy Spirit who knows the thoughts and the intents of man. And being God, he knows the end from the beginning. And the Jews may have asked this, if Jesus, if this Jesus of Nazareth is the Christ of God, if he has established his kingdom, how do you explain the fact that we nailed him to the cross? They may have asked that question. Well, we see in our text here that this is dealt with. Look at this. This is dealt with by our great God because Peter here proclaims Jesus of Nazareth. Look in, that, look in verse 22. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God. A man approved of God. And we see here the humanity of Christ clearly brought forth. That he was really a man. It says here, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God. He was really a man. And he says, among you. He, he walked among them. He talked with them. And now he will bring forth that Jesus Christ was also God in the flesh by these words here. Among you, by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. So in the same verse, he says, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God. So there he's speaking of his humanity. And then he says, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him. Now he's bringing forth his deity. In the same verse. He sets forth before them the humanity of Christ. And then he sets forth before him the deity of Christ which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know. And this is in tune, this ties in with other scriptures. I'll read some scriptures here in John, let's turn there, John chapter 8 first. John chapter 8, this ties in with other scriptures where our Lord Jesus Christ claimed divinity. He claimed to be divine. And this ties right in with it here, this one little verse here. There's so much packed into this, this sermon by, by Peter. Look at this in John chapter 8, verses 56 to 58. John chapter 8, verses 56 to 58. And then we'll go to John 14 after that. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? They did not know who he was. He's God incarnate in the flesh. And he says this, look, look at this, he reveals his deity here. And they knew what he was saying because they picked up rocks to stone him afterwards. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. What a declaration. What? Now turn over to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Look at this. John chapter 14, starting in verse 8 to 11. 
Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you? And hast thou, or, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me has seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, Show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works' sake. So the Lord Jesus Christ's claims to divinity were proved by his miracles. The miracles, and that's why, that's why Peter wrote that, or spoke that when he said, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him. So the miracles which the Lord Jesus Christ did proved his claims to divinity. Those miracles performed by Christ were indisputable facts of public record. He raised the dead. He healed the lame. He gave sight to the blind because he's God. Emmanuel, God with us. And how did Christ the God-man come to die the painful, shameful death of the cross? Well, let's go back to Acts chapter 2 and let's look at verse 23. How did Christ the God-man come to die the painful, shameful death of the cross? Acts chapter 2, verse 23. Him, that being Christ, being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. The act, or the death of Christ, beloved, was an act of God. He purposed it, and he planned it, and he executed it. It came to pass according to the will and purpose of our sovereign God. You know, I often heard I often heard this when I was in religion. And, and in light of this scripture right here, it's so wrong what I was told and what I used to tell other people when I was dead in trespasses and sins and a religious man. I used to say this, and I don't know if you've ever heard this. I used to say, well, if the Jews had accepted Christ, then he wouldn't have had to die on the cross and they would have ushered in the kingdom and all that. I was told that in my past times in religion. And of course, I just regurgitated the garbage because that's what it was. It was just garbage. Christ had to die on the cross. He had to. He must. And he came to save the elect, both Jews and Gentiles, by dying on the cross. And it was according to the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, wasn't it? We see it. Right here in this scripture. See, now my beliefs now, now the Lord has shown me by his grace who he really is. I didn't know. I thought I knew who he was, but I had a refuge of lies, which was based upon myself. Was it so for you? When you, if you came out of religion, yeah, Denise, we know. My. Fabrication of lies. We built our, our refuge of lies, Henry Mahan used to say. I had that. But God, by his grace, showed me the truth and now I look at this verse and I'm, I marvel because Christ went to the cross by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God to save me, and if you're one of the elect, to save you. Wonder of wonders. And it all came to pass 
according to the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of now natural men acted according to their nature and their will, which was governed, governed by a dead nature, a nature dead in trespasses and sins. They, they by wicked hands, took and crucified the Lord, but it was all according to the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. The Lord Jesus Christ was foreordained and predestined to be the substitutionary sacrifice at Calvary's cross for, for the sins of God's people. And our Lord, we know from Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, he's the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, right? That's what the scriptures declare. So the only way sinners could be saved is by the satisfaction of God's justice. And the only one who could satisfy the justice of God is the Son of God, the Word of God. The perfect, spotless Lamb of God. The Lamb slain from what? From the foundation of the world. He's the only one who could satisfy God's justice. He's the only one. And the only way we could be saved is by the death of the great Lamb of God. That's the only way we could be saved, is by the death of the great Lamb of God. And he did that for his people by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. Never forget that, beloved. If you're one of the God's people, never forget that. He died at Calvary's cross. A term, a, he died at Calvary's cross by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God for you. Why? No wonder we love him. No wonder we love him so. No wonder we rejoice to hear the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's done everything for us, hasn't he? He's done everything. Listen to what one grace preacher of old commented. He said on this verse, he said, Yet Christ died by the hands of wicked men, acting according to their own free will. He says, If nothing else convinces men of the abhorrence of free will doctrine, this should free will crucified the Lord of glory. Man was acting according to their nature, and they just went and cried out, crucify him, crucify him. And you know why? If we were there in an unregenerate state, we'd have cried the same thing. We would have. Praise God for the one who made us together. Praise God for the forgiveness of all our sins. Oh, my. Then look at verse 24 here. By the Christ's resurrection from the dead... Our Savior has abolished death. Listen to the words of verse 24. Whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holding of it. Death couldn't hold him. He's sinless. He's spotless. In his life, he's the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. And in, in his death, he's the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. And death could not hold him, beloved. It could not hold him. The Lord Jesus Christ abolished the penal aspect of, his de of death for his people. He abolished death's power. He abolished death's power, beloved. He abolished death's terror. Did we not fear death before the Lord saved us? Like, I mean, really fear it. Oh, my. And he's taken away the fear of death for all who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we wonder how he's going to take us out. You, we, we've often talked about that, right? But the, the sting of death is gone for the believer. The moment we breathe our last breath, we're in the presence of the great king, the Lamb of God, who, who by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, gave himself for us. My, what a savior. And rejoice, beloved. As the resurrection of, of Christ was God's public declaration that his justice is now satisfied. It's a declaration. The, the, when Christ rose from the grave, it was a declaration that God is satisfied with the sacrifice of Christ 
in the room and place of his people. Hallelujah. What a Savior who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. That's why he rose from the grave, for our justification, so that we could stand in the presence of God, clothed in the perfect spotless righteousness of was raised again for our justification, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him and him alone. No peace with God except through Christ. No Christ, no peace. If you have Christ, you have peace with God. My. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in our great hope, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let's read verses 25 to 31 of Acts chapter 2. And we see in our text that, that Peter gives proof from the Old Testament scriptures that the Messiah must suffer death and must be resurrected all by the power of God. Acts chapter 2, verses 25 to 31. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover also did my flesh moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made Known to me the ways of life, thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God hath sworn with an oath to, to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ, that's the Messiah, to sit on his throne. And seeing this before spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. Turn, if you would, to Psalm 16, verse 8. Peter here is quoting Psalm 16, verse 8 to 11. And this speaks of Christ. This was David prophesying about Christ, about the Messiah. Because as Peter said, David's sepulcher is still with us. So these words are spoken of Christ because Christ, he rose from the grave. Look at this. Psalm 16, verses 8 to 11. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, Now look at that. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Look at that. God's at our right hand. We won't be moved. <laughs> That's wonderful. Oh, my. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also shall rest in hope. Who's our hope? The Lord Jesus Christ. David had the same hope. He was looking to the Messiah. He looked to the Messiah. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Christ is the sinless, spotless Lamb of God, both in life and in death. He is the holy one there, spoken of. Thou wilt show me the path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. So we see that Peter shows that David's words were a prophecy of Christ's death, a prophecy of the death of the Messiah, his resurrection and his exaltation. 
And in all that he did, our Redeemer sought the glory of God. He came here to do the Father's will. And the Father's will was that Christ would redeem his people by the shedding of his precious blood on Calvary's cross again, all according to the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. The Lord God hath opened mine ear. I was not rebellious, neither turned away, or turned away back. I have given my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting, for the Lord God will help me. Therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like a flint, that I know that I shall not be ashamed. Isaiah chapter 50, verses 5 to 7. Those are words speaking about Christ. He gave his back to the smiters and his cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. What he went through with those Roman soldiers was awful. And those Roman soldiers, they were, they were the elite of the elite in the ancient days. Even just the normal legionnaires, they were not just, I guess you could call them the soldier soldier in a sense because they were the top, they were the creme de la creme, but they were brutal. I read a few books on them and what they've done and reading these words. In Isaiah 50, verse 6, I gave my back to the smiters, my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spit, and they beat our Lord. They they took a crown of thorns and they prodded it on. That means they, they hammered it down on him. Oh, what he went through. And he was silent. You know why? Because he's a lamb being led to the slaughter. Finally, a Savior. And our Savior has faced his greatest trial with joyful confidence that he would, by his obedience to death, both obtain the high, the place of highest glory and save his people, all of them, from all their sins. Our Lord, our Lord faced his greatest trial, the cross of Calvary, again, with joyful confidence, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God dying for our sins. Now let's look at Acts chapter 2, verses 29 to 31. Men and brethren, so when David spoke these things, he was speaking to the Messiah. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that out of the fruit of his loins, remember David was of, or the Lord Jesus was of the seed, of, or of, of the lineage of David, the lineage of David, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne, and seeing this before spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither did his flesh see corruption. So may God give us grace, beloved. May God give us grace to follow our Redeemer, doing the will of God, for the glory of God. That's what Christ did. He came here to do the will of God, for the glory of God. That's what he did. And may we be sustained by the awareness that God is ever with us. He'll never leave us nor forsake us, never. We can rejoice in Christ who is our hope. Let's lastly look at verses 32 to 36, where we see that our Lord Jesus Christ is risen. You see how Peter is, has just placed Christ before them? Simply too, isn't it? Simply. It's been amazing. It's wonderful. I got so excited looking at this week, this this week. It's so exciting to see how he just simply placed Christ before them. 
Look at verses 32 to 36. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. So they were witnesses, remember? They saw him, and then they saw his ascension, too. They saw him. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received to the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this, which ye now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Look at that. Marvelous. So we see here so clearly that Peter declares the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior and Redeemer of God's people. Look at also, too, look at verse, uh, verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and to the rest, of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Oh my. Wonderful. Wonderful. So remember this too. Look at that. Look at verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, here's a good application for you and I. Everything that includes all his people, no matter what we go through, and that includes this church here, right? Because the church is the body. No matter what we go through, every aspect of our lives, our great God and Savior, our Lord is over it all. He's over it all. And all rejoice, you who are born again, the born-again, blood-washed child of God. Rejoice. Our Redeemer was crucified. Our Redeemer has risen from the grave. And our Redeemer is right now seated at the right hand of God as the exalted King of heaven and earth. And this we see so very clearly before us in this text, don't we? Now here's a thought for all who will hear this message. Sooner or later, we will all bow to and acknowledge the rightful dominion and lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ. May God give you grace to bow to his lordship in this life, to trust him in this life as the only savior of sinners. Because if you die not trusting him, may God be glorified through the preaching of his word.